Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Edup Experience Podcast, where we make education your business. We're making it your business here at AT23 Anthology 2023 in Nashville at the Gaylord Opryland Hotel and Resort. We are here live in the AT Studio. Studio. And we are we're having a great time. Oh, are we yes, not? we are. We're Ladies and gentlemen, co-founder, producer of the Edup Experience Podcast, Elvin Freitas. Really? Oh, oh, sorry, wrong one, buddy. Wrong one. Come on. That's not the I messed it up. Ladies and gentlemen, co-founder and producer of the Edip Come Experience on, Podcast, Elvin Freitas. Let's go. Yes. That's, that's the one he likes. Oh, okay. I don't know why. <laughs> we're going we're to get, get into that. this because uh, we want to give all yes. the time to our esteemed guests. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for this? Here oh, he is. Yes. He is Nicholas Mathis. He is vice president of product management at Anthology. So and now that's going on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> I'm glad. That's awesome, man. Oh, man. So where uh, do we go from here, right? <laughs> where, where, where do we go from here? I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome. Intro, uh, so let's start from the beginning. Nicholas, tell us about your role of uh, an anthology. What do you do? So I'm a vice president of product um, product management. So I basically lead the uh, product management team for our LMS solution, Blackboard Learn. Yep. Um, so basically, I'm kind of responsible together with the team for the roadmap, the future direction, so all of the all of the fun stuff, really. So that's not that's not a lot of a lot of things, is it? That's, I mean, that's it's, very minimal responsibility. It's right? a fair amount. No, it's no. a fair amount. I mean, you're basically setting the roadmap for all the clients and all the product releases and all of these things that are going on uh, in in the system. Um, there's been big announcements here yeah. at Anthology 2023. It's an <laughs> um, I would like to know um, what was the big reveal and just give us the. Tell us again, like you're telling us for the first time. So it wasn't just one big reveal. It was six big reveals. Oh, and wow. so it was, I, I've been looking forward to this for months. And yeah. I mean, the one that I'm probably most excited about is the, uh, the, the release of our new AI design assistant. Artificial intelligence. It is the buzzword of the day. Yeah. But uh, why I'm really excited about it is because it, it's not just AI for, these, for the sake of AI. It's actually helping solve long-standing significant institutional problems around instructional design and scaling instructional design so we're doing it in such a way that um we think it's really going to help instructors it's going to save them time it's going to allow it's going to provide them with inspiration it's going to allow them to create more engaging learning experiences more quickly and um, so i'm i'm really excited we're the first lms that uh, is going to market with these things nice. so um, amazing congratulations it, it yeah, is amazing that's awesome. um, it's incredible and the other thing that I'm excited about with the AI design assistant is that we are trying to do it in a very ethical and responsible mm. way. So we've released a framework around kind of the ethical use of AI. Um, and we are adhering to a lot of different principles that basically put the institution in control, put the instructor in control, and really kind of take a very careful first few steps towards ultimately kind of, I think, revolutionizing the learning management system. I want to talk nice. about ethics and AI, but I'm going to save that more towards the end because I want to know how we got here. I want to know what did it look, how did it happen to where you, this, this takes place? Is this, you know, six months ago, a year ago, you know, how did you gather feedback and how this needs to look? Was there user input? How do you take something so large and so important and manifest it to this day, this release? To where you've been i mean how long you've been working it, on this sucker yeah well it's been a very agile and a very fast process um and so this is part of where our partnership with microsoft around this comes in as well mm. so we 
we got in on the ground floor, essentially, very much on the bleeding edge. Epic. Very, it was very epic. <laughs> um, I love it. And so basically, I mean, we've been working on this for the last nine months, at least. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it, it's been a process. Like we, we knew there was a lot of possibility. And so we've been working very closely with an, an AI advisory council. That's mm. basically we've been meeting with on a biweekly basis uh, to give us feedback into both the principles behind it uh, and kind of the, the trustworthy AI side of things, but then also the capabilities and which things would resonate with instructors, with instructional designers, which things are a little bit more touchy um, or a little, uh, uh, a little bit more uh, controversial, I guess. And yeah. so we've started to build it out from there. It's actually evolved quite a bit. Um, and there's a few things that we did that we actually decided not to release because it um, kind of wasn't quite resonating. And then there's a few areas where we've kind of pivoted significantly. But I think the way in which it's coming together is really just very contextually helping instructors in those areas where it just takes a lot of time yeah. to yeah. create a rubric, to come up with a set of test questions. And we can we can give them assistance while they're still they're still in control. They can just do it better and faster now. Yeah. Did you walk in one day and you just sat down and you looked at everybody and you said, "Execute order sixty six. Is that how fast <laughs> it got here? That's actually not too far from the truth. <laughs> That's awesome. I remember there was a day where kind of everything started to come together, and I know just talking to a bunch of people and it just like start started rolling so quickly within a matter of days and then things were starting to come to life and yeah. we were getting client feedback and it was yeah. it was pretty cool Congra for, awesome. congratulations on getting this point how do you feel is it feel like are you elated are you relieved because you've had to hold this in and it, you know you get to this point where you do a big reveal it has to be so right because you know everybody's going to go in and look right away that it, you know, and go, well, let me check this out. And yeah. what does it do? And I'm going to ask it to do this crazy thing and let's see if it does it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm relieved for sure yeah. uh, that we can finally talk about it publicly, obviously because the work we we're doing with Microsoft, we, we couldn't be quite as public about it as right. we, as we usually are. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been waiting for this for months and I've really had to bite my tongue mm. so much over mm. the last, I, I don't know if there's anything left at this point, <laughs> uh, but over the last couple of weeks, we've actually been previewing it with, a number of institutions, mm -hmm. a number of clients just to kind of do do a dry run. And I could start to see like there was a, a conference I was at last week in uh, in Wales, back in the UK, where we, we essentially previewed it. It was one of the first times that we showed it to uh, anyone outside of the AI Advisory Council. And it was with real instructors. And so they were sitting in the room and we were going, so administration at my institution, how quickly are you going to enable this? Because I'm going <laughs> to wait putting my course together until this is available. Wow. So that's fire. That was a good sign. Yeah. And so I was excited and uh, yeah, very, very happy that we're here now, but I'm also impatient because now that we're here, we're only really just starting to scratch the surface yeah. and I, we're seeing so many possibilities now and we're already taking the next steps as to, um, as to where we're going. So I'm very impatient and excited about mm. kind of what's, what's going to come next. I think, I mean, ultimately, it, it kind of fundamentally changes what a learning management system is, where it moves away from it being a, a system where you manage learning to it being a system that where you create mm. the learning and where you design it together with the environment. Mm. I think it'll be, I think it'll be really cool. I like your style, dude. <laughs> We've, uh, we, we, what you just said, I don't think I've heard anybody say it like that. It goes from a learning management system where you manage the learning to a learning creativity station, essentially learning creativity that 
that has profound implications on the future of higher education. We always ask people, what's the future of higher education? Maybe this is it. Maybe, Maybe you've helped catalyze the future of higher education in such a way that it's going to have impact for hundreds of thousands and millions of students across the U.S. and the world. I don't know if you've thought that deeply into it, but I need a sound effect here as well. But yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I, how about this one? Throw me a freaking bone here. <laughs> but but I, I do agree with you. I think this can actually create some significant changes and, yeah. and really, I mean, what it's all about, it's the, it's the quality of experience that a student yeah. has. And with these tools, I think we can give them higher quality learning experiences that are more authentic, allow them to learn better, are more engaging. And that's, that's pretty fundamental because that's um, that directly affects your student retention, the way the way that students feel about it. Uh, but it also allows institutions to finally, I mean, it solves that long-standing problem of scaling instructional design. Yes, it's been really, mm-hmm. really difficult, um, and a lot of a lot of instructors haven't necessarily been been trained how to teach. Mm-hmm. And this can really give some significant scale, I think, to instructional design, creating quality experiences, and that's that's. Yeah. And you know, one of the big problems of instructional design is redesign. It's yeah. it's updating courses and you know, you go in a two year cycle and you think about, wait a minute, you can't wait two years to update a marketing course right now because the marketing course has AI. Marketing is getting dominated by yeah. AI and how could you wait a year or even 18 months to update a course? But if you embed something like this within your LMS, within your uh, uh, where you're creating courses, you can continually pull in updates. You could ask the the, the language model, the AI, to scrape the internet for the most yes. updated yeah. AI tools out there and embed yeah. them in a course. Give you some suggestions as to how you can improve your uh, improve your materials or do additional activities. Or yeah, yeah I, I think it it will allow things to be much more up to date, much more engaging. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I'm dying to see where instructors take this. I think Tell them like it is. <laughs> I, you, um, what's the reaction been? Uh, from users, are they getting you in the corner, going, Nick, Nicholas? I, you know, I, I don't understand what's happening. This AI <laughs> thing, or are yeah. they going, you know what? I've been messing around with ChatGPT, and now I'd love to see something like this in, in the system. Is it? Are I, you bringing people along, or are they there? I, I would say eighty percent has been really excited, and I think the kind of again the approach that we're taking towards it, where it's the institution gets to decide when they enable it, the instructor's always in the middle. Uh, it's really aimed at the instructor, not yet at the student directly. Right. Um, and I think the approach that we're taking is a very allows them to take their first steps towards us in a way that's not that's not as scary. Yeah. Um, so 80% very excited. I think 20% a little anxious, yeah. kind of seeing, wow. uh, wanting to see what happens. Now realizing that they have to come up with institutional policies mm. uh, around the use of AI and things along those lines. Yeah. But as soon as they hear that it's it's off by default, and they can just decide when they want to go all in. Mm. They're, they're kind of relieved and um, hopefully the faculty will actually start to build some uh, some demand and some practice because yeah. it's, again, it, this, can, this really helps. For someone like yourself, I, I have to ask you, how do you stay at the front end of technology and AI? Because if you're the VP of product management, you're implementing, you're spearheading the implementation of this. That means you know a lot, or at least you have a really good team that informs you probably a little bit of both. How do you stay fresh? Well, I, I don't do that much. It's mostly it's mostly the team, right? Liar. Um, but the I, I do have a background in artificial intelligence. So my my postgraduate degree was in um, was in machine learning and artificial intelligence. Nailed it. It is an area of interest mm-hmm. um, that I 
I have a little bit more knowledge about than, than other topics. And that, that definitely helps. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, you're curious. Do you have to be curious with it, right? You, you do. To... And you have to tinker a lot and like try yeah. a lot yeah. and kind of yeah. try everything that's coming out and see what's usable, kind of use it to ideate together with, with institutions. And I love, I love playing with this stuff. And yeah. Uh, and then Me too. The I spend like 30 minutes a day just checking out new different AI tools because there's what, 100 a day or 1,000 a day coming out? I'm now? surprised you get through them in half an hour. I don't, well, <laughs> that's because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that, that's, you know, ah! that's usually how I walk away. Um, talk about um, uh, talk about the investments that have been made in Blackboard Learn. You've had, what, 200 or something new features come out? Just my microphone dying on me. 200 new features coming out. Um, and you're focused on features that really matter for the system. How do you make those decisions? How do you get, how do you decide on the 200, first of all, and what these features are? And that's just 200 in the last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So no, it, it's, it's evolving extremely, extremely rapidly. And I mean, ultimately it is a, um, it, it kind of takes a village and it's a, it's kind of a combination of all of the feedback that we're receiving from our instructors, from our students, from our clients in things like our, ID exchange, our, um, our, our kind of weekly focus groups, mm. our, we, we survey tens of thousands of students and instructors every, um, every month. We do technical preview programs. We get a lot of direct feedback and all of that just funnels in and we, we kind of try to bring it together as best, yeah. as, best as possible, which is ultimately the uh, kind of the product, manager's, uh, the product manager's job. But there's, there's a lot of feedback to incorporate. I've been, I've been quite happy uh, because a lot of people are seeing that we're we're trying to listen. They feel heard. Mm -hmm. They, uh, I mean, and for me personally, it's the most important thing. It's more important than AI. Actually, I think if you're trying to create a, a valuable product, you you gotta listen. There's just yeah. gotta listen. There's not an option. Not you gotta to. listen it's, to the people that use it, right? They they're using it, and if they don't use it, then you don't have a product. So What's the point? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Um, was July uh, was July a good month for product releases? I July mean, was a pretty good month. Yeah. Um, I think we had about thirty. 30 features that were being released just in the month of July. Wow. That's the incredible. only thing I will Amazing. say is the August release is an even better month. Wow. Uh, where we're again kind of breaking our record. And I think over the last year, we've broken our record in terms of number of enhancements per month eight times. Wow. Uh, so we're. Do you um, have a number on a whiteboard that you're like, we need 31 or we need 32? <laughs> well, it's 35 in August. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have 36 the next month. Is it we'll, that way yeah. or is it quality? Is it quantity? Is it's it... got to be quality. Okay. It's... So, but quantity does matter too, right? Because you have to, um, there, there could be a lot of demands that you need to meet. Of course. So there's a, um, like a diminishing return between quality and it has to be quality, but quantity to meet the demand how do you manage quality and quantity and speed and all of those so quality to me is non-negotiable so we uh, i mean we follow the kind of the perfect slice uh, methodology where nothing can go out unless obviously we can't deliver the whole pie for for a capability or an area in one go nor should we because we gotta we gotta evolve it based on feedback but we what we deliver has to be able to stand by itself has to be valuable and so we cannot compromise on that that is that is non-negotiable, uh, but then I mean quantity does matter, and that's where the investment that Anthology is making. Kind of, we tripled the size of our team as the companies came together, uh, which is kind of allowing us to combine I think both quantity with with quality. Oh yeah, hit both. Um, do you? Uh, how does your team work with you? How do you lead? Do you lead it, like a distributed model and you empower them to just go create these things? Are you? 
are you, uh, since you're a tinker, do you like to know a little bit about everything that's happening? How do you? You should probably ask them. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, I won't. I won't it, do that. It, it's a little bit of it's a little bit of both. But I mean, the way in which we organize is again, I do very little. The way in which we organize is we kind of divide our product team into into what we call value streams. So each value stream is a kind of a, a very close collaboration between uh, one or two, uh, one or more product managers, one or more designers, one or more development teams, and they're essentially responsible for a specific area in the product. Um, and so they get to, they, they manage their own backlog, they prioritize, they get the feedback from users, they iterate based on that. And so it's really, it's really their responsibility to try and add much, as much value within that area of the product as, as quickly as possible. And I think it's a really good system. It's a yeah. really good approach and people get to hear the feedback directly, which allows us to respond in better ways. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's worked, that's worked pretty well. So that ultimately means that I'm not responsible for any part of the system. Right. Uh, that's what the value seems. But you're responsible of. for all of it in the end, right? Because you've got to you've got to continue to drive innovation, right? That's your responsibility, and that's a big time role in this day and age to continue to drive technology and innovation. And um, it's a collective responsibility. It the, is. It's an amazing team. That's yeah, it's, yeah, it's been really fun actually. So consumer um, and uh, a user feedback really matters. And I don't know if you've been watching uh, social media. There's um, there was one tweet, the Twitterverse. <laughs> If you will, uh, Elvin, are you a part of the Twitterverse? I am a part of the Twitterverse. Don't, don't lie. That's, that's <laughs> so less here. I know. <laughs> threads, right? Nobody even no. do, yeah, it's no, all about on Twitter. Now. Somebody wrote something um, that they were a huge critic of Blackboard Learn and then heard about the releases or saw the release and says, I'm in Canvas now and I need to figure out how to get to back, back to Blackboard Learn. Is that like the best compliment you could possibly get with something like this? I may put that above my bed. But, you know, that, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, the, oh yeah. The, the progress that's, that's been made one. over the last kind of one to two years has been it's been really remarkable, I would say, and, and kind of it, it's a very different learning management system. I, I truly believe that it, it's kind of the most modern. It's the yeah. um, it's, it's it's kind of the the best LMS that's yeah. out there, and it's it's come such a long way. And I think with the six things that are coming out now, because we've really only talked about one of them. Um, you want to give us the other five off the top of your head, or do you want to highlight another important one that you think matters? It's totally up to you. This is your microphone. Well, so um, well, let, let me go back yeah, to the tweet first. So the like with the things that are coming in the next couple of months, with these announcements, with the further improvements that we make, it's such a big leap forward yeah. as far as the instructor is concerned, as far as the, the student experience is concerned. That I, I'm glad to I'm glad to hear about that tweet, and I I kind of hope that's I hope that's where we're. Uh, we're gonna hear more of that as we as we go forward. That's a fact. That's a fact. We believe that you will. We believe that you will because this is a. I think this is a landmark moment for higher ed. When you embed something like AI into a SIS, which SIS is for somebody who's worked in higher ed for twenty years, and SISs can be extremely complicated and they can be extremely simple. And it's how you use it and how how you're supported that really makes the big difference. Right. So, uh, but features do matter. And if you put something like I'm using AI outside of the system, if I can use AI within the mm. system, mm. then, then it really relates to my job and it, and it doesn't take me off down these rabbit holes where I'm exploring. And what does it allow me to do? It allows me to create work and spend more time doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is serving students or meeting exactly. with students or sir, you know, talking with students. Is that a foundational goal? When you think about this is how do I create time? 
how do I give people back time to serve students? I mean, if there's one thing that instructors don't have, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're always strapped for time. So anything that we can do to help them, yep. help them save time is a good thing uh, and actually is necessary given everything they're dealing with. That's why one of the other announcements that we made today is our new flexible grading experience, which is going mm -hmm. live uh, in a few weeks' time. So this is a completely new grading experience for uh, for Learn Ultra, which we've been working on this for such a long time. We've had 420 instructors involved for six months. We're actually testing it, and we've been tweaking tweaking the heck out of it. And um, I, I truly believe that it's kind of the most efficient, uh, kind of the fastest grading experience that's out there. And that's another example of where we can really help save instructors time but it's not just about saving time it's also allowing them to do to do more yeah and and do things better create more engaging experience create more impactful things richer feedback yeah. and, and mm. as you're saying kind of spend more time with the student as well which is uh, which is critically important talk about, let's let's go back to what you brought up originally which is some of the ethical considerations around ai you can't just throw ai in and just it runs itself you you Bad have idea. to create guardrails you know that yeah the news that comes out that says people are predicting that AI could take over humanity. And then there's people that say, if you just create the right guardrails, we're gonna be fine. It's gonna put more focus on the human skills and allow AI to do some of the machine things that we're doing by hand and manually. How do you think about ethical considerations as you go through this process? And what were some of your foundational non-negotiables that you talked about? Yeah, and then there's a number of different kind of non-negotiables. I mean, the first one is that the institution has to be in control. We've seen some kind of early efforts from uh, from kind of players in this space where they, they haven't followed that. And I think that's really difficult because mm. it doesn't allow them to have the conversation that they need to have. So Yikes! institutions always in control. They get to decide when they enable it. Secondly, the instructor is always in control. That one's that one's the biggest non-negotiable did I you think. hear that when you said that like a bomb dropped behind <laughs> us so that was a mic drop yeah so the instructors the instructors always in control so with these initial capabilities any suggestions that we make uh, anything that we present to them has to be explicitly reviewed and accepted by an instructor hmm. we think it's too early for ai to be directly exposed to students or to kind of to be used in really high stakes workflows like the grading workflow because there's there's some, there's some risk uh, there's yeah. thing risk for for bias there's risk for hallucinations yeah and that's why it's so important that the instructors always in the middle and I think it makes it much more palatable as well because they're still in control they're just getting inspiration they're getting yeah. uh, they're getting help and then there's the whole um, kind of the data privacy side of things as well where we wanted to make sure that we strongly believe that the data is the institutions, it's not yeah. ours or anyone else. Yeah. And so anything that gets, institutional data doesn't get used for training models or anything along mm -hmm. those lines. That's all cleanly separated. And that's where the collaboration with Microsoft was um, was extremely helpful. So it's just a few of the um, kind of the non-negotiables, but the yeah. instructor being in control and a human being in the middle was really critical for us. Bullseye. Gotta got leave, uh, got leave them in control. I, um, I, I, I believe too, that what you've done here in leading this is going to save a lot of institutions, a lot of, uh, of grief, because I think the students coming with an expectation of AI, I was talking to the student panel earlier today and I said, you, you know, what are you guys using? And they, well, they're using different AI tools, exploring, 
the student's going to come to an institution with their own set of expectations around AI and how they learn and how they feel they have to be supported. This moves an institution who may not be AI ready to be way more AI ready. It's moved them along without them even thinking that they've moved along because it's embedded in this in the system, the learning management system that they have. That is going to be critical. And I think that is you're 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 moving institutions, not just people at this point. And and we've had that exact comment in our AI advisory council, where right now it's a little bit of a wild west. And yeah. a lot of people are doing things, a lot of people are not doing anything, but this makes it a now they can have the conversation. There's something that they can point to. There's a trusted kind of solution that can they can start to have conversations around. They can start to build uh, policy around. So it, it kind of makes it a more manageable uh, manageable topic. So that's been uh, that's been quite exciting. And I think as far as the students concerned, I mean the one we've been doing a lot of research around things like detection mm -hmm. of AI, and I personally think that's the wrong direction. Mm. I mean there's a lot of research coming out saying that basically it cannot be done reliably. Uh, there's um, it kind of disadvantages, second language learners, learners with disabilities, they, they get flagged incorrectly more often. I think even if you flag one student incorrectly, that's that's a problem. And it's just kind of keeping up with that arms race of trying to, it, it just cannot be done reliably. It's like, uh, so it's like soccer or football. Um, what's better, a uh, high octane offense or a really strong defense? Either you're going to be, you know, there's companies building detection tools and there's developers building non detection tools like what it's an arms it's, it's an unbelievable arms race. yeah mm -hmm. it's um but yeah and, and so where i think kind of the the next really exciting step is and this is where i think students will really benefit is that we can now start to use these tools to help instructors create more authentic assessment yeah uh, and kind of better assessment assessment mm -hmm. that will help students learn better and actually things like using ai tools as part of those i think that's a part of it like go out to an ai tool use it, have a conversation with it, ask it something and then critique it or something yeah. along those lines. Um, and that's where students will start to gain some of the some of the skills associated with this as well. So I think that's the right direction, using it in a positive way um, so that, yeah, we don't have to lean into the detection side of things, which I think is it's kind of a dead end. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So for the most important question, and I've saved this one till the end, now that this release has come out, do you go out and celebrate, maybe have a cocktail or two, or do you go flop into bed and sleep for the next week? Um, both. Okay. <laughs> cocktail gonna, cocktail well in bed? Set. We're not sure. Oh, cocktail well in set. bed. How do you well like set. that? Well, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Joe, real quick, that tweet, right? I'm sure there are many people who want to read into come back. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's that process like if they want to come yeah. back? And the, so the good news is that we've made it really easy to make the move to ultra. Yeah. So we've been doing a ton of work over the last year to um, make it as easy as possible to make that migration. We've introduced a, um, a uh, an adoption toolkit that gives them all of the communication, training, planning nice. tools that they, that they need. We've got automated conversion, uh, including from Canvas, for example, yeah. where you can basically get all of your courses automatically natively uh, converted to, to learn ultra. We've got a whole team of people whose sole responsibility it is to help institutions make the move. So all they're right. all available, yeah. it's all included, it's all yeah. free of charge. And yeah, we're we're keen to bring people back. Yeah. Well, I know either he's, uh, while he's sleeping or if he's having cocktails or doing both at the same time, I'm pretty sure he's gonna think <laughs> up another amazing tool uh, for uh, the, his, his, uh, his SIS, Blackboard Learn Ultra, and uh, the number of clients and people using it uh, continue to grow. Congratulations. We're on just you. starting to start scratch the surface. That's awesome. Yeah, scratch yeah. the surface. What's possible? We don't know. 
but we depend on somebody like Nicholas Mathis to tell us. Of course, he's Vice President of Product Management at Anthology. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today, Nicholas. Yeah! That's how you win a podcast. That's awesome. You just and up. Up.